The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about freedom. Talking about freedom. I will fight for the right to live in freedom. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here with you. Welcome once again to another hour of any and all things financial. If you have anything on your mind you'd like to ask of me, you can reach me here by dialing 717-540-0580. That's 717 717- Five four zero zero five eighty or anywhere else toll free. You can reach me at eight hundred seven two four fifty eight zero one. Once again, that's eight hundred seven two four fifty eight zero one. And or lastly, if you wish to email me live, you can email me at ffradio at comcast dot net. That's ffradio at comcast dot net. Well, I'm sure you've heard by now, uh, the announcement has been out for some time, <clears throat> but on Tuesday, the all-time longest company in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which if you recall is comprised of 30 c- companies, General Electric will no longer be in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's being replaced by Walgreens. And of interest is not only there is a lesson to be looked looked at and learned from a stalwart like a GE no longer being in the Dow from a standpoint of picking individual stocks, which, as you know, I strongly, strongly recommend against, and I strongly recommend that you do not work with any advisor who suggests that picking individual stocks is a way to riches, or I strongly recommend that you do not invest in mutual funds where they are actively managed, which means that you have a manager who attempts to outperform the markets through picking stocks and or timing markets. As we've seen with GE and as we've seen by many companies over the years, there's a reason that I say often, unless the name of the company is God Incorporated, anything can happen to any company. There's no company that is immune. So, again, do you continue to pick stocks? Do you continue to pay someone else 
who has led you to believe the myth that picking individual stocks will lead to consistently outperforming the markets? Again, what we know and what is very, very clear by academic evidence, the chances of outperforming the markets by anyone attempting to do so via stock picking is extremely, extremely unlikely. Now, it's going to happen once in a while because purely from statistics, it has to happen. Just as when you have a room full of people flipping coins, you are going to statistically have a few that end up flipping their coin and having an end on heads maybe six, seven, eight times in a row. Well, according to Dartmouth, some research that was recently done there, they went back and they looked at the public companies that were listed on exchanges before 1970. And those that were listed publicly, meaning that you would be able to invest in them, at that time, they had about a 92% chance of being around in five years. When I say being around, obviously I'm talking about still being in business. However, for companies that have been listed in the 2000s, in that decade since 2000 and years after, they say that there's now just a 63% chance for companies being in business within the next five years after that. And the reason for this, the reason that these companies are drying up faster than ever, I believe can be traced to the fact that via technology, things are changing faster and faster and competition is getting tougher and tougher. And thus, trying to pick stocks is going to be even more challenging. And that's one of the big reasons that finally we've seen over the years that money is coming out of by the millions and millions and millions coming out of the hands of active managers, those attempting to beat the market and is flowing into, again, millions and millions and millions into low-cost index funds. So I remember years ago having a discussion with somebody, and their argument was, well, GE is a fabulous stock because essentially since G GE is involved in so many different types of business you're basically just getting a mutual fund because automatically when you own GE you're gonna own a lot of other companies indirectly well we we only need to look back <clears throat> And think of names such as Eastman Kodak, 
General Motors, Bethlehem Steel, Enron, and the list goes on and on and on. And it will continue to take place that companies are going to struggle. And as we've seen out of this research from Dartmouth, more and more companies aren't making it. There's so much d disruption in the corporate world now because things are changing so much faster. And with technology, you have companies like Netflix, who doesn't own any cable lines, doing fabulous. You have companies like Amazon, who doesn't own any stores, doing fabulous. And you're going to continue to see this more and more. Things are changing more, and they're changing faster. And that is going to continue to have a disrupting effect in the world of corporations. So what's the solution? What's the message? It's the same message that I consistently try to share with you all the time. Stay away from trying to pick individual stocks. Don't pay anyone else who has led you to believe that they can beat the markets by doing it. And instead, build a beautiful, low-cost, globally diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds and capture the returns of the markets rather than playing the feudal game in the fool's errand of trying to beat the markets. Okay, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. Do you have anything you'd like to discuss with me as it relates to your investments? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at 717-540-0580. Toll free, it's 800-724-5801. Or you can email me here at ffradio at comcast.net. We'll be right back. Financial Show Central PA, Financial Freedom, on WHP Talk Radio 580. Welcome back, second. Let's go to Dewey from Harrisburg. Hello, Dewey. How are you, sir, and how may I help you? Hi there. I was just uh, listening to your opening statements about... Uh, what was going on with GE and whatnot, and your mm -hmm. study that you that you uh, uh, quoted in reference to Dartmouth. My yep. question for you is: Did they, in their study of the uh, companies that were mm -hmm. no longer around, did they chalk any of that up to being bought out? Um, you know, I'm not sure. That's a, that's a, that's. A... Yeah, go, uh, the reason why I'm asking is because. I mean, just like you stated, things are happening so quick, mm -hmm. and you're seeing uh, profitability and uh, smaller companies that are very successful are getting gobbled up. Yep. And I think that that uh, 
that might be a little bit misleading uh, to say that the the reason for the uh, change is because of failure of the companies. You get what I'm saying? No, no, no. I understand. I completely understand. That's a very valid point. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and just for your reference and everyone else, this uh, article uh, was in the Harvard Business Review from uh, – uh, it was back in 2000, December 2016 is the issue. And in looking at it here, um, it says they divided the companies into 10-year cohorts according to when they listed and examined how many in each cohort, cohort were still in business five years after. This confirmed that longevity is decreasing. Companies that listed before 1970 had a 92% chance of surviving the next five years, whereas companies that listed from 2000 to 2009 had only a 63% chance, even when the researchers controlled for the dot-com bust and the Great Recession. Um, well, that, but, yeah, that really doesn't answer the question. Because no, was, it, was, it does not answer what, what you're asking, absolutely. Yeah, well, I would submit to you that that uh, the rate at which companies are bought out, uh, if you would compare the similar time frames, you would find that there would be a much smaller percentage of those companies in the 70s that would be bought out versus what's going on now. Yeah, I, I will look into it, but if I had to guess, um, I would guess that they accounted for that because technically speaking, when a company gets bought out, um, you know, it, it, it's not like it is dissolved. It continues to be organic, albeit under different name or parent. Yeah, well, yeah, I understand that because I was, I was involved in a, in a company, uh, and I'll use, the, I'll use their name. Uh, it was a small company, and it was uh, Edwards. It was a health com a healthcare company, <clears throat> and mm -hmm. it got it got bought out by Baxter, uh, and so, you know, and Baxter, they you you get companies big companies that uh, divest themselves and split themselves up as well. Right. So I just I just uh, I'd be interested in more details on that study because yeah um uh, of those two factors that I'm that I'm uh, you know talking about. Yeah, if, if you'll shoot right, if you'll shoot me an email, I will be happy to email you back the link. Um, or if you go to Google and just type in uh, the the title of the article is "The Scary Truth About Corporate Survival." The scary mm -hmm. truth about corporate survival, and it's in the Harvard Business Review. But um, I will look into that. I'll see what I can find. That's a very valid point but i would guess obviously these guys are no dummies i can't i can't yeah. imagine that they would have overlooked the fact that you know companies that are no longer around um that were purchased uh i can't imagine that they didn't adjust for that but i'll look into it and uh i'll, I'll see what i can find but that's a right. very Super. very Excellent thought, and uh, 
We'll see what we can find. All right. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for the call. Okay. With everything that's going on, we've got things in China. We've got tariff talk uh, with NAFTA. We've got immigration. That's all over the news. There is a lot of headlines that are coming at us, and most of it, as is typical, is negative, negative, negative. And it's very, very sad what we see in Washington. And what I mean is it's sad that Congress, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, or whatever, it's sad that they can't come up with some solutions together. In spite of that, the markets are holding up rather well, especially here in the U.S. But I want to ask you, do you own any small company stocks in your portfolios? Do you know if you do? I know many of you are proponents of just buying total stock market funds, whether it be total stock market fund here in the U.S., whether it be a total international stock market fund. And I, on occasion, have shared with you that I have no problem with those being part of a diversified portfolio. But in and of themselves, you are missing out on some beautiful diversification. Because when you look at total stock market index funds, essentially they are large cap stock funds. All you have to do is go to Morningstar, look up the funds, and in their style box where they break down how much is in large cap, how much is in small cap, essentially there's only about 3% in small cap value stocks. And what we've learned in the past and what we've seen recently in the last few weeks is large cap stocks and small cap stocks don't often go up at go up or down at the same pace and when you're looking at building a portfolio ideally you want a portfolio that's going to consist of assets that don't all go up at the same time or at least don't all go up at the same rate and also don't go down at the same rate. If you go back to the decade, what's been coined the lost decade from 2000 through 2009, if all you owned were, say, the S&P 500 index, after 10 years, after that decade, you would have not made a dime. In fact, you would have actually had your account down. You would have lost some. However, by incorporating some small cap and some small cap value, as well as some international and international large, small, and value, you would have had an average annualized return that would have been positive, somewhere around 5 or 6% annually, assuming you were disciplined, you stayed the course and also had a process in place that you rebalanced dynamically as needed. 
Well, we've seen this taking place of late. So far this year, year to date, smaller companies are outperforming large companies by about three times. Now, there are times that we have seen, especially over the last three, four, five years, that large caps have outperformed small cap. So what we know is we don't know at any given time when small caps can outperform large cap, when large caps can outperform small cap, when value is going to outperform growth, when U.S. is is going to outperform international, when emerging markets are going to outperform developed markets. We don't know that. We don't know when stocks are going to outperform bonds in any shorter time horizon. We don't know that. And that is the wisdom that you should use as a starting point when you build a prudently sound and beautifully diversified portfolio. Because we don't know, nor does anyone else know, we diversify. And it's that humility that if you begin with and do not get seduced by some newsletter, by somebody on the radio, by somebody on television, by an article that you read in the newspaper, if you understand and you accept and embrace the evidence, as well as recognize that there is a reason that Warren Warren Buffett has said himself that when he passes on, money's left for his wife are going to go into low-cost index funds, not left for people to try to pick stocks, then the automatic result of understanding this is, quite simply, building a beautiful, globally diversified portfolio where you own as many as 14 different asset classes, and then you have a process whereby your portfolio is monitored and as is needed, dynamically rebalanced. We're going to go to the news. When we come back, we're going to pick right back up, and I'm going to look forward to discussing with you the current interest rate environment, where short-term rates are, where 10-year bond yields are, and what does that mean for you as a bond investor? I'm Tim Decker. This is Financial Freedom. Sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Once again, here's Tim. Welcome back. Second half of Financial Freedom. Uh, Let me again say thank you for making us part of your Saturday afternoon. Noon. Uh, before we go to Bob, uh, who's patiently holding, let me remind you: uh, we have available via our website our free e-newsletter. All you have to do is 
Go to isifinancialgroup.com. That's isifinancialgroup.com. And on the homepage there, you can sign up to receive our free e-newsletter called Insights and Education. And we typically have a nice brief video lesson that we send out once a month, um, as well as some occasional articles uh, that I write or that I uh, find elsewhere that I think will be valuable in helping you along your way as you strive to achieve ultimately financial freedom. Okay, let's go to the phones. Uh, Bob from Klein-Feltersville. Bob, where is Klein-Feltersville at? Right at Middle Creek Wildlife. Uh, I'm sorry? Right at Middle Creek Wildlife Preserve. Okay, okay, I know where you're at. I know where you're at. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, Kleinfellersville is a bar and a post office, and that's about it. <laughs> well, that's where everybody knows everybody, I guess, huh? Yeah. Uh, well. About a couple of years ago, well, not a couple of years ago, about 18 months or two years ago, I visited your place for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I... You advised me to move my van, a lot of the Vanguard stuff I had and some other things into the Vanguard Lifestyle Funds. Life Strategy, which yes. Yep. Which yep. I, life Strategy, which I did. Okay. I have about oh, six hundred, over $650,000 in Vanguard, mm-hmm. and about two-thirds of that is in the Life Strategy Funds. Now, when okay. I question you, I know the market's been it's like 10% off the highs, and normally I would move some money from bonds, bond funds, and the stock funds. Uh, that's how I rebalance. Okay. But these, the one, well, the main one I'm in is the uh, growth, which is eighty percent stocks, yes, twenty percent bonds. Mm-hmm. How do they rebalance? They rebalance the same way that we rebalance with uh, clients' assets that we manage. They use cash flows, which means as new monies come into the fund, anything that's underweight, they will use that to add to those positions. And when people make withdrawals, they will use that as an opportunity to sell anything that is overweight, what the target is. And then the third way is if it gets out of balance too far, they will automatically sell some stocks and buy some bonds or sell some bonds and buy some stocks. So there's three different ways that they dynamically rebalance that. And so I just have to sit back and watch. Right. As it it pertains to those life strategy funds – once you are in w- one of those and they're in line with your objectives and you know if 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 that fund complements and it makes sense in line with your overall allocation yes they will automatically make sure that the allocations of 80% stocks 20% bonds is kept in balance you're absolutely accurate right so that's but at any rate, I, I like I think I like that idea, and uh, you know I, I I'm glad you told me that a couple couple of years well two years ago or so I was there. But I listen to your show every week. Well, thank I, you. I like it. And uh, one other thing you told me 
that you might want to share it. I never heard you say it on the air, but uh, for my my death planning, I mm-hmm. I put my I signed my body over to go to science. So you know what? Besides, it's a good idea. It's cheap. You don't have to buy. You don't have to buy funeral plots. You don't have to buy a casket. I mean, it's a good idea. I think it's a awesome idea. I, I'm sure I shared with you that's what my father had done uh, in uh, in Nebraska. And that experience that we had as a family when we went there and they had a service for all of these individuals who donated their body for science was an unbelievable experience. I was so very, very proud of my pop and the 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 overall experience and how it was handled. It was, I mean, it was very, very f- fulfilling. And I'm very happy to hear that that you took that step, Bob. That's yeah, that's I, awesome. Yeah, I, I, uh, I it was a choice of that. You know, I'm an organ donor. I was going to be an organ donor, but you can't mm-hmm. do both. But right. I, I thought, well, why not? That was a good idea. So, but anyway, uh, I keep listening. Well, thank you, Bob. But like I say, yeah. I just don't have to worry. I just, you know, thank God it's taking care of my rebalance. And as long as overall I'm where I want to be, I don't have to, you know, they don't, they don't rebalance in a long time. Like perhaps the, those lives. What are they, the 20, like the 2050 funds or something? You know, they might. Oh, yeah, the target date when, funds. Right, right, they, right, they right, might, right. They might rebalance when the, the stock market, they might buy, sell stocks when the market's down just for the, for the year change. I don't know. Didn't sound no, like a good idea. No, that's why, that's why I am not a fan of target date funds yeah. at all. And I much more prefer if you have an option to go with the target risk funds, yeah. which is exactly what, what you have. So that way you always know what your allocations are, and it's not automatically being changed behind the scenes based upon some arbitrary date. So absolutely. Okay, good. All, All right, right, Bob, it was right. it was great to hear maybe, from you, sir. Maybe I'll see you again sometime soon. I would love that. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's take our last break. When we come back, I have a couple of emails here that I want to uh, uh, answer. Uh, and if you have anything that you'd like to ask of me, you can give me a call here. I'd love to hear from you, 540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll-free, 800-724-5801. I'm Tim Decker, and this is the program where we do our very best to look out for your best interest, not the interest of Wall Street. We'll be right back. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Welcome back. Final segment of Financial Freedom. I received an email, um, and um, I wanted to share it with all of you and provide some uh, thoughts and perspective here on the show. Hi, Tim. Um, I am with Edward Jones now. 
I just realized they are charging me 1.44% in a portfolio strategy fee. Sounds good, huh? Is this normal? Is there a better way and um, how do you, you do it? Thanks, Don. Well, let me just start by saying the fee that you are paying to your Edward Jones visor is what we refer to as a explicit fee. There are explicit fees and there are implicit fees. Explicit fees are those that are easy to identify and they are black and white. An example of that would be when you invest in a mutual fund, if you look in the prospectus, there is a management fee, an expense ratio, and, and it's spelled out in black and white. In this case, the explicit fees in your program would consist of not only the 1.44% that you are paying to Edward Jones, but also if you look at the investments they have costs as well. So it's important when you're evaluating your total costs, it's important that you not only look at the advisor fee, in this case 1.44, which I would say is definitely on the high side, um, but then you also should look at and evaluate the investments that they have you in. And in having reviewed many different account statements from brokerage firms like Edward Jones, unfortunately, most often what I see is they will have you in some actively managed mutual funds or they will be, they will be trying to pick some stocks and bonds. And then you've got extra layers of expenses as a result of that. And when you look at the average actively managed mutual fund, the expenses typically are four to five times more than what you could get in a very, very low-cost index-type fund. So what I would suggest, Don, is to – I would strongly urge you to pay for an hour or two and sit down with a fee-only financial advisor who is a 100% fiduciary, which means they sell nothing, they are required by law to represent you and you alone, and get a second opinion. You can come see us, you can go, you can find another fee-only advisor, it makes no difference to me, but to pay for an hour or so to have a third party do an overall evaluation of all of your expenses, I think would be a very eye-opening experience. It would be very educational. And unfortunately, unfortunately, when you are working with a financial advisor that works for a brokerage firm, doesn't matter if it's Ameriprise, if it's Edward Jones, if it's somebody working for uh, a bank, somebody at a Credit Union, somebody at Merrill Lynch, somebody at Dean Witter, somebody at Janie Montgomery, you know, I can go on and on. 99% of the time, you are not working with somebody that will serve and put in writing that they will serve you as a 100% fee-only 
fiduciary. So it's unfortunately full of conflicts of interest and the expenses most often that you're paying uh, can can be in some cases three to four times as much as what you should be paying. So I hope that helps. Okay, let's see here. Uh, we have Ann from Harrisburg. Hello, Ann. How can I help you? Oh, good morning, Tim. Um, I wanted to find out, you mentioned about, uh, to this last, the previous gentleman that called earlier about something about uh, your father left his body for science and all that. I never heard yes, of him. Ma'am. How do you do that? And how do you, who do you call to inquire about that? Um, if you will shoot me an email and remind me in the email what it is that you're asking about, um, I will promise you next week I will shoot you back an email and we'll give you a website that you can go to and it lists um, different hospitals, different schools um, that are involved in that. My father, as an example, out in Omaha, have you ever heard of Creighton University? No. Okay, it's a very, very highly respected uh, college out in the Midwest, Um, and it's right there in Omaha, and uh, when my father passed on, uh, all we had to do was call them, and they arranged for everything. And the thing that was so fulfilling for us, uh, Anne, is when we flew out there and we had a service, it was not just us, but there were many other families as well. After this beautiful spiritual service was over, I mean, it was it was awesome. After it was over, we then had a reception over at the college, and we actually got to meet the five or six students at Creighton that actually worked with my father's body and to meet with them and for them to be so thankful and the rapport that we had, it was was absolutely amazing. So if you will send me an email, I promise you we will email that out, and uh, I'll be happy to uh, uh, hear back from you as to as to what you did what is your email it's um isi i s i yes at isi financial group.com s i financial group.com yep and just put it to my attention and my staff will pass the email on, and I'll be very happy to email you back and give you that information. Do you know if they do anything like that in this area? Yes, they do. Huh. So if I were to call a hospital, like, would they know anything, like, say, Harrisburg? or? Well, the website that I will send you, it's a... It's a national organization, and they have very stringent requirements, and it will give you a list of hospitals, you know, all over the place. I do believe, actually, and I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that Hershey has that. Mm, okay. Now, if I can't get it on my e- know how to send an email, I'm just taking computer lessons. I just call your office and get something sent out? Absolutely. What's your number? 717-393-3353. That's 717-393-3353. And just 
let my staff know that you spoke with me on the radio and you I said that you could give me a call and you want some information uh, about donating your body to science and that's all I need I'll remember and I will find what we need and we'll print it out and I'll send it to you snail mail how's that thank you very much I I enjoy your show I think you're terrific I I I remember talking to you way, 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 way back when you just got started on your radio show. Yeah, it's been uh, many, many years, many, many moons, as they say. Thank you. I forget the gentleman who used to have you on his show regularly. Paul Baker. Yeah, I can never, he was a wonderful man. He was a great man. Paul was one of the best friends I've ever had. He was full of positive energy, was an optimistic individual, was a great, great man. And someday in the next life, I look forward to seeing him again. Maybe you will. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I I wish you well. Well, I had one other email real quick. Um, We've got one minute left here. My producer, Mr. Tory, says, let me bring up this last quick uh oh there's the music we will answer for deb next week deb had a question on a fund called the metropolitan west total return bond fund and i'm happy to offer some insights and my thoughts on that deb so if you'll stay tuned next week i assure you we will discuss that well time has flown it's great hearing from all of you that uh that i spoke with again if you have anything that you'd like to discuss with me i will be here with you next week and thank you again for making us part of your saturday and remember in the world of investing it's never too late to do the right thing take care